Welcome in, everybody, to the Be Freaking Awesome podcast. I am your host, as usual, Josh Belford, joining you today. And we also have our normal permanent guest, Angela Belford, uh, who's been working on her book. That'll be coming out shortly for all you guys to listen to or and read that too, both of them. Um, and also joining us today is Jamie Barris. We have another guest podcast. I know you guys like those. Sometimes it's fun just to hear me and Angela shoot it back and forth, but we have someone else with us today. So Jamie, uh, you want to say hi? Hey, it's good to meet both of you. I love your podcast and it's just an awesome opportunity to have me on. So thank you. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, as everybody who listens knows, we always start with some kind of weird question. We didn't quite start with one last week. I know you guys were missing it um, (laughs) since we just talked about how a little life updates for us. So we'll start with it today. Today, we're all going to share a few things that are on our I don't care list. Now, Jamie and Angela just got introduced to this about five minutes ago, so their their stuff might not be as polished as a few of mine, but <laughs> it'll still be it'll still be interesting. And then we'll talk about who's right and who's wrong. And and yeah. Wow. I didn't know there was a test. I thought this was an opinion. All right. Uh, so I really don't have too many, but I'll go ahead and start us off. Um I don't wait. What do you mean that I don't care list? Like unpack that or will Uh, it be obvious? It's things that like you just don't care about. They're not quite pet peeves, not things that necessarily make you mad or make you feel a certain way. It's literally just like, I don't care. Like you don't like, you don't, you kind of don't want to deal with it. Like I wouldn't say like quite annoying. Like whenever someone doesn't turn a blinker on, like that's annoying. That's not an, I don't care list. That's some that's annoying. You know, when someone smacks, smacks their food, that's a pet peeve. This is just things you just don't care about. Like if they weren't, if they weren't there, then you'd, you'd be fine because you just don't care about them. So my first one is gender reveal parties. And I know my older sister's had one and she even had one where they shot off little colors and everything. And they, they used the color green for boy. And they were going to, I think use yellow for girl. And so it was green and you know, I was only there for the free food. So, <laughs> hmm. Jamie, Answer, yeah, whoever's got one can go ahead and go with go next. Well, I do have one, and I think I, I don't want to come across as brash or harsh, but with social media, I don't care what you had for dinner. I don't care to see the pictures of what yes. you ate. Yes, I, I don't care. About Sorry, dad. everything you did all day long. I don't, I don't need your video story. I, I <laughs> don't care what you're doing with who every second of the day. I, Sorry. I think, <laughs> I I think that extends happy. to like, the, this might be a pet peeve almost when people like will post stories of like them at a concert. I'm like, watch the concert. What are you yeah. doing? I'm not there for a reason. If I wanted to be there, then I'd, I've gone there. I don't need to see your... That one's probably more of a pet peeve than it. I don't care, <laughs> but I also don't care. <laughs> like, I don't care what you have to, to I agree. To I'm going to a concert tonight and it'll be everywhere. And I, I agree with you on that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're never going to watch that video again. Probably maybe you'll show it to someone, but if you're really just doing it to post it, like, yeah, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> I like it. That's a good one. That is a good one. And I just like, feel the need to like but but wait but wait although I think I had a pretty unpleasant argument with my spouse 
at a concert when I'm like, are you just going to be here? Cause he was, I was getting into a song and he would record every single song and Oh, and it, what's crazy is that it was an artist that he is newly, he newly enjoys when we married, he didn't like country music. I, so these were bringing back memories from high school and I'm just laughing through these songs and I don't feel like I can sing because he's recording it. I don't know if he's going to post it. And then I don't know, like everybody's just going to hear my voice right next to it. I was, it was unpleasant. So uh, that does border on pet peeve, depending on who it is. Also, my husband loves to take pictures of food. Uh, I will say, take I mean, he does, he does take beautiful ones and no, but he does he it. He does and post like, them. Post them on like Google reviews. Them, yeah, and, he likes to, you know, yeah. Yeah, he oh, does that's it. That's almost different. It. That's almost a little different. more artistic. I'm not, yeah, I'm not seeing every time he posts on Google. No, I, I do see every time he posts on Facebook, and then he has yeah. a purpose behind it, though. And he, his purpose has grown because he used to post to like in a very braggy way, and it used to drive me crazy. And now he, we have, especially after COVID, we have a number of family members that are too old to travel and they constantly send us messages private messages and comments like thank you for posting your travel pictures because we really do get to and we tell the whole story i don't tell the whole story typically of my life i was just thinking this morning i posted a picture anyway okay i don't care <clears throat> i want to be i want what i want to say because probably the thing I don't care about is souvenirs from somebody else's trip. <laughs> and I struggle with this because I have, because when I come back, my kids are like, did you bring me something? And some of them are not that way. And some of them are that way. I, was saying, I, I am not that way anymore. That way. I, I'm sure I used to go when I'm younger because everyone yeah. likes kids. You're something younger. Not anymore. I, I'm going to throw it away. It's going to clutter my room more. <laughs> you haven't gotten the present that I got you for the, and yet. I promise <laughs> I got you something that you would not want to throw away, but I don't uh, want, like, I don't want that. Like, why are you bringing me stuff? You're just bragging about your trip. So I want, and I want everybody else to not care about me bringing them back a souvenir. But that's a lot of work because when you're on your trip, you're not just fully enjoying your trip. You're thinking about, I got to get somebody something. And then you just spend money on something stupid. They love it in the moment. And then they probably shove it in a drawer or closet anyway. Yeah. If you get yeah, someone I, like an Eiffel Tower magnet, like it's not like they went to the Eiffel Tower. Like, oh, someone comes over. Oh, have you been to Paris? No, my friend did. Right. Right. <laughs> okay. You know what? I should have saved that answer for, we're going to have a gal talk about minimalism here the next, in a couple of weeks. And I should have saved that one for that, but it is I like, about that. yes, that's the only thing I can think of. Cause I, most of mine that I can think of are like pet peeves, but gender reveal party. That one's enlightening. I don't care a lot about a lot of the clutter that I, I don't say I have a really cluttery house, but I used to have a spotless home and I don't anymore. And it truly doesn't bother me like it used to. It's not one of those things where I feel like I have to necessarily work so hard and be like, yeah, I don't care, but really it's driving me crazy inside. A lot of this stuff I can look at and huh, I don't care. Like I used to. I could think of that. I was, there was something last night. I, 
we just bought a new washer and dryer. And when the salesperson was like, don't use fabric softener, just use vinegar. And I'm sure that you're cleaning out your washer and dryer like twice a year. I think that would rank on the, I don't care. Like, uh, no, like I don't, I didn't know that was a thing. Right. Like when I can see that it's dirty, I clean it out kind of sort of not, I wasn't very good at that. So those like, routine cleaning things that people are like no you must do this I'm like what's the bad what's the consequence if you don't and they can usually never tell you well it just makes it last longer I have a a hot water heater that we do not do maintenance on it it's I've lived here 18 years it's I've replaced a couple of parts it still works anyway so I'll give one more off my list I do not care about your big truck (laughs) thank goodness i don't have any friends that have like big like big beefed up trucks or like mods on a truck like i don't care honestly i don't care about your car really like if you have like a cooler car that's gonna be like different you know what i mean like if you had like a porsche or even like a mustang but yeah yeah cool car if you get any kind of upgrade on your car i don't care i don't care does it go faster sure cool i don't care does it does it make more noise i i hate you actually if you makes more noise i hate you that's a pet peeve but if you like upgraded tires, good for you, man. It snows, it snows twice a year. All right. Good. You're wasting money, you know? Oh and my like, gosh. The slippery slope to judgment. We got it. We got to reel it back in. <laughs> yeah. I just, I don't care. And you know, like at times, like, <laughs> like the, the Jeep that I would drive around, like it has like lifted tire or like it's, it's lifted and it has like special tires on it. And I'd be like, people would be like, man, you do that yourself. I was like, nope, we bought it that way. <laughs> I like it. We don't, uh, we don't care. We bought it that way and we wouldn't, ha- we haven't changed it. We haven't lowered it, raised it, done anything. All we've done is replace exactly what would need to replace what it used to be. So um, yeah, I don't care about your, your car modifications. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I think it's good because well, we'll probably get into that kind of goes into that whole relationship with yourself you know your preferences you know what you care and you don't care about right because <laughs> don't I'm gonna say this my husband is a car guy oh, no. <laughs> the, louder, <laughs> the faster the better and some people just don't care but that's the thing and I think that it's beautiful that you know that and when other people you know so if that's their thing it's their thing Right. right. I think it's it helps a, be less judgmental and less critical. Hey, that's their thing. I could care less about that, but I like my shoe collection. I don't know what you're into. You're into disc golf. I know that. Yeah. A lot of people don't care about disc golf. <laughs> yeah. Let's, we won't talk about how many discs we have and how many get delivered to my house. It's, <laughs> it, it's definitely, I think, uh, I think the pet peeve is where you get into that judgmental zone. And it's like the, 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 I don't care is more like, Good for you, Sammy. If you want to do another gender reveal party, great. And I'm your brother, so I'll probably be there for the free food, but I don't care. Like, just tell me what the gender is, you know? And so it it is like, I think it's a more middle ground. And whenever you can listen to the Waste of Time podcast, some of my friends do, whenever they talked about it two weeks ago, they even say like, they're like, well, do you have a pet peeve list? He's like, no, I just have an I don't care list. Now his I don't care list is like, it's my friend Luke's older brother. He has like, 200 things on it it's crazy he's been making it for like seven years so yeah that one's wild but 
we'll move on. <laughs> um, today, we are going to talk about writing your own permission slip and what all that means, because obviously, you don't, you're not going to actually write a permission slip. It's going to, I'm sure someone will explain to me what, what we're talking about. Um, <laughs> you might by the end of the show. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is how, as everyone knows, this is how I like to go into each podcast, not really knowing what's going on. So I can ask the good questions, the questions that someone who is clueless knows or would ask, not knows. But um, starting off, Jamie, let's go ahead and how about you tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, we'll enter there and then we'll move on into this topic. Okay. I am a writer and I am a life and relationship coach. And my whole background is kind of with my coaching is how to develop a better relationship with yourself, because I feel it takes care of about 90% of our problems in life. And I feel most people do not have a relationship with themselves and it shows up in every area of your life. So I help people with the inner work. So the outer work really isn't work anymore. So I've written two fiction books and I'm taking all the life coaching and we're writing a nonfiction self-development transformation book right now. That's awesome. Yeah. We'll, we'll get the names of those books at the end and we'll put them in the show notes. Um, but I'm guessing that means that giving ourselves a permission slip is your saying. Is that going to be a motto? Maybe not a full motto, but do you say that? Or Angela, was that you that came up with that? No, she actually, we were on a call and we were talking and she had shared that she had had a training on this. And I'm like, that's brilliant. Let's talk about this some more. <laughs> so I have a membership. My um, membership is called the Transformation Tribe. So we do live weekly coaching calls. And that was one of our topics a few weeks ago was permission slips, the whole going back to school. I think a lot of times that this time of year is more transformative than January, you know, New Year's even, you know, New Year's resolutions. And it got me thinking about permission because so many people, okay, now I'm going to go after this goal. I'm going to do this. I'm going to embark on this. And it's something I feel like it's almost ingrained in us from childhood that this season of, you know, September is let's embark on all these things. And I also started to think about my list of all the things I want to embark on. Okay. I started this membership. I'm writing this book. I've been toying with a podcast, all these things. And it involves risk. It involves putting ourselves out there and how often we shrink back and stay stuck where we are. And I feel like it's a lot of, I don't give myself permission but why? And we grow up obviously asking permission from our parents. We transfer that to coaches, to teachers, principals, all of these mentors or, you know, influential people in our lives growing up. I mean, we even as teenagers ask our friends, how does this look? Can I wear this? Should I wear this? We're constantly tiptoeing around asking everybody for permission for things that we really need to give permission to ourselves. I think if we have a strong, healthy relationship with ourselves, we do not seek that outside permission, that outside validation, that outside approval as often. We get it from within. We show up more confident. 
we trust ourselves. And it's really about taking power over your life, giving yourself power, being accountable, having that ownership to know that I have value and I can give value as a gift to someone else. I am enough. I should be seen. I should be heard. I do matter. I do have something to give back. But if we don't have that within ourselves, we don't have that to give. And we scramble around life trying to fix and rescue and control all this outside people and all these circumstances that are beyond our control. When we develop the relationship with us, a lot of the outside stuff just falls into place. And it starts kind of with writing that permission slip. So this just happened to be a topic on, you know, one week, a few weeks ago, but the more I think about it, it is, it's approval seeking. It is, we justify, or we we give ourselves permission for something and we go ahead and we do it. And then say, say you're invited to a, you know, a party or hang out with some friends and you know what, it's a Saturday night and you just don't feel like it. I just, I'd rather be home in front of the TV or whatever. And you might say, no, you gave yourself permission to decline the invite, but then you text a friend. I'm feeling kind of bad. Are you going? I said, no, I gave myself permission. And now I'm seeking permission. Is it okay that I said, no, I need to validate this decision. Before I keep going off on a tangent, <laughs> I'll pause there. <laughs> I was going to ask that you, you are so passionate about it. Uh, is there a personal story that, that that's generating this passion? You know, I'm really thinking about two stories. One opened up our coaching call that day and another story opened up as I've been listening to your podcast and it's something I felt that I related to you with. So I'm going to tie this all in. Hopefully I have a degree uh, more in the exercise science background. So I've always been into wellness, but more on the fitness side, I've always liked the coaching side of it, but you know, back in the, I, you know, late nineties when I graduated the whole mental, emotional coaching thing was not as big. The whole big, you know, being a well-rounded person wasn't as big. So I went more of the fitness wellness route. And I did that for almost 15 years. It was pretty part-time because I had had two kids during that time, married, had two kids. And when I decided to quit I wanted to focus more on writing and I wanted to be in the fitness wellness industry, but add in more of what I'm doing now. I sat at home in silence and hid from everybody that I was writing books. I kind of started out with fiction, but I was dabbling in nonfiction. I wanted to be a life coach. I kept it all secret for so many reasons. I was afraid of failure, rejection, criticism. Like, why would you go do that? I would I dreamed every day of grabbing my computer, going to a coffee shop and just writing. I never allowed myself permission because I didn't feel worthy. 
I felt like I was a bad mom if I left my kids to just, you know, I'm not out there earning a paycheck or I I don't even have enough guts to send it out there. Who's ever going to read it? So I remember asking my husband all the time or bringing it up, not necessarily asking, just bringing up the fact that, yeah, I kind of want to do this. I kind of want to do that. I had all these ideas. I always have all these ideas, but I don't have anybody to watch the kids. And he would, you know, we'll get someone, hire someone. In my mind, I couldn't justify hiring someone to go just work on this at that time hobby. I'm not earning a paycheck. So how could I just pay someone to come sit with my kids? I should be at home. It was constantly seeking really what it was, was approval, validation. But why? Why couldn't I just say, I want to go sit at a coffee shop and write. I deserve it. I'm worth it. It fulfills me. When I come home, ha, huh, crazy. I might be a better mom because when I don't do these things, I'm crawling out of my skin. I don't have any adult interaction. I'm not using my brain. Sure, I'm being a nurturing, caring mom, but can I do that and still be away? But I was constant. It got to the point where I would start asking the kids, what do you think about having, you know, going to daycare? What do you think about maybe having someone come over and, and watch you? Of course, they're going to say no. And what is what do I say? Because guilt fills me. Okay. And it keeps, it kept me small. It kept me stuck. And here's where I'm going to tie it in with another thing. I have listened to your podcast and you do bring up your therapy and how it has helped you and how just things that your therapist said and the beautiful conversations and how you weave that in with either your guests or with Josh for years, I knew I needed to go (laughs) see a therapist in my mind. It was for people that should be in a straight jacket and thrown in a mental institution And I could go on about where this image came up, but, you know, from childhood, from outside voices, the society, from whether it was spoken directly or indirectly. In my mind, it was for the weak. It was for people that had really, you know, major trauma in their life, tragic things. Um, And I kept telling myself that really, do you really need that? Are you almost as if I wasn't worth investing in myself. And I would even bring it up to other people. I would bring it up to friends or family or my husband in these roundabout ways. Like, what do you think about that? Does, do you go, who do you go to? Well, what do you talk about? Or, and people, and I, yeah, I've been thinking about it. And a lot of people probably to comfort you say, well, you don't need it. Why would you need it? You have got it all together. Look at you. And inside I knew I was a wreck. I couldn't give myself permission to be, to admit it out loud. Well, it might look that way on the outside, but I'm suffering. I'm miserable. I am overwhelmed. I, I'm, I'm anxious. <laughs> I'm burnt out. I'm an overgiver. I'm a people pleaser. I have no boundaries. I'm exhausted, but I don't know what to do. And I'm kind of angry <laughs> and that's hard to admit. I feel like I am on the verge of blowing. I have this rage inside of me and I'm kind of pissed off at people. And I have this in my past that I'm still stewing on. I'm, I'm resentful. And I know this and I don't know how to work through it on my own. But yet at the same time, obviously I didn't feel 
worthy enough to invest the time, the money, the energy, whatever it was, there was something deep within me that I, I couldn't go. So I wasted years feeling miserable. And when you don't work on yourself, you know, this <laughs> going to therapy, but if you don't develop that relationship with your health, with yourself, if you're not healthy on the inside, if you're miserable on the outside, chances are those people around you, you're making them miserable. If you're suffering on the inside, you're probably making other people suffer. And if you don't figure out that underlying thing of why am I not giving myself permission to be happy, to forgive, forgive myself so I can forgive other people, to add value to my life so I can add value to other people's life, to go to therapy, learn how to love myself healthy learn what self-care truly is because, wow, I might actually love people how they deserve to be loved. I might actually be able to care for people how they deserve to be cared for. And when we don't give ourselves that permission to develop that relationship with ourselves, we, we don't have anything to give the world. I really appreciate that you are being so vulnerable. Thank you for that, Mm -hmm. sharing that, (laughs) because I, you know, work with life coaches and some of my practice where I'm coaching them on on developing their program and their branding. And Mm -hmm. it's so easy, especially new coaches to want to present the image like, oh, I've, I've figured all of this stuff out and, or, and then when they get in a coaching call with me, they're like, I haven't really figured this crap out. Like, I can't go sell this program. I can't do these things because I'm still kind of a mess. And I'm like, I, I talk often that like where you are today and where you want to be, you have to go through the forest of fear and pain. And as a coach, what we do for our clients is there are portions of that forest of fear and pain that we've traversed and we have re- we have there are areas that we have gotten incredible freedom and deliverance and there are things that we have learned and if we can go and reach back and share what we've learned then we can make it easier for the people behind us and our clients our friends who are going to have to traverse their own forest of fear and pain and you don't have to you will we will never i say you arrive in the coffin that is the only place you are going to arrive and until then it is simply a journey but we have to there's areas that we that you have learned some skills. You did give yourself permission to publish those two books. I am just sitting here thinking of all the people that could be listening to this and thinking, oh my goodness, I I have felt what she feels. I know a ton of moms that stayed home with their kids were little that then are like, wait, I'm allowed to go after and publish this book. Mm -hmm. And so I'm allowed to go and do these things. I think that's the beauty of coaching. Mm-hmm. is is having somebody else that can show you the ropes and so that you don't have to get all of the skinned knees all by yourself because we are going to fall down mm-hmm. and you are going to skin your knees and if you can skip a couple of those potholes 
by hiring a coach, then I think it's beautiful. But I want to break down what does relationship with yourself, you said a lot of people don't have a relationship with yourself. It's so interesting because my coach was talking to me about this this week, and then I was at coffee with a friend, and she said something, and I'm like, oh my gosh, my podcast guest this week is talking about relationships. So it's interesting to me when I get like billboards and so I'm fascinated, but tell, can you break that down? Like, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to use a couple of the words that you just used because I think that they will resonate with people. And even, you know, being vulnerable with someone. When I listened to your podcast, is it the messy middle with the two of you? Yeah. Yeah. So gotten a lot of great feedback on that episode. I loved it. I loved it. And you were vulnerable and you opened up about the work that you've done, which through therapy, which is working on the relationship with yourself. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, people listen and they resonate and they relate and they think, huh, look at how far she's come. She talks a little bit about her past or her pains and how she's worked through it and become more resilient. And that opens the doors. I can do that too. I want to do that too. You mentioned freedom. Well, that to me is freedom. It's freedom from being hooked to all that crap we carry around. I know for many years of my life, and I hope it doesn't sound dramatic, but it is the truth. I felt shame for my mere existence. I know now why I know where it came from. I know how to work through it. I no longer feel that way. And it wasn't until I worked on the relationship with me that I could do that. You know, one thing right now too, I think of is how disconnected we feel from each other, how lonely people feel. And look at us, we are in an age where we are connected to everyone all day long, but yet we feel so lonely. And I feel this is one thing I've been thinking of a lot lately is how we've replaced, think of being alone. When are you ever alone? Your phone is silenced or it's completely away and you are just with your thoughts. Everything is coming at us all the time. We feel disconnected with people, but I always think, how am I connected to myself? If we can't be connected with ourselves, how do we connect with other people? Because we don't show up authentic until you develop a relationship with yourself. Like most people, they don't even know who they are. What I really want. Like, I like the, I don't care thing that gets people to think, what don't I care about? Well, what on the flip, what do I care about? What are my preferences? What is my purpose? Like people freak out. I don't know what my purpose is. It's because you don't know who you are. Take some time to understand who you are. Develop that relationship. Why this triggers you? Why does this irritate you? I will say this. The reason why, and I had someone close to me that didn't know their preferences, didn't know those things and didn't know themselves. And you touched on at the beginning of this, you said, I struggled with shame for my very existence. Mm -hmm. My experience is that when people are so full of shame, 
which shame, according to Brene Brown, is there's something wrong with me. It's scary to know themselves because they will find at their core, this is the the lie that they're believing, they will find at their core that they are not healthy, not real, that they're just rotten at the core and a horrible person. And this person, they would be like, I can't go into that deep, dark, scary cave that is myself because I'm scared of what I will find there. I'm scared that I will find out that that there's evidence that I'm something is 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 fundamentally and and horribly wrong with me. So I think that's the first step is that people have to really begin to understand that you are not fundamentally flawed. Are you going to find things about yourself that you may not appreciate? Of course. But if you don't know that, then you can't you can't work on them. You can't change them, but you will not find in there the this horror. And I think that's probably the reason why people don't know themselves is they're afraid of what they'll find out. I agree. And adding to that, I I had to really come to the awareness of where was this shame coming from? How did it get there? Mm-hmm. And I knew deep down, I have good values. Mm-hmm. I am a good person. I have good motives. Like I'm right with my creator. And then when I really started to pinpoint where the shame was coming from, my eyes were so wide open. These are from people that are, they are full of shame and they are projecting it on me. Um, Whether it comes from, it could be envy. It could be past traumatic things that happened to them. It could be, you know, their dysfunction there, but it, it was, it was their stuff. And I absorbed kind of their truth to become mine. Like I believed it was, it's that think of, I'm just going to get a random example of something good happens in your life and you share it with two people. And one person is just, I'm so happy for you. I'm so just, that is awesome. Good. And then you share it with another person and you, whether, whether they say it directly that they feel threatened by it, or I mean, they criticize it or they shame it. And then you feel bad for your gain because it's obvious that it is their loss. I Mm. absorbed that as I don't deserve this. You keep quiet. You don't, you know, if you accomplish something, if you, you know, you work hard for something, you don't share that like you. And I, had to really take a look as that is that person's stuff. Mm-hmm. It is not mine. And I was absorbing all of that. I was shouldering it. I was not the type of person, Hey, how can I support you? Here's your stuff. It was, I thought support was you give me all your stuff. Sure. I'll take it on as my own. And it filled me up with guilt, shame, and a whole lot of problems that were not mine to solve to fix, to rescue. I just needed to rescue myself. Listening to a lot of what you guys are saying, I actually think I have a a challenge on one of the things you guys said. I think where you're going at it is, is you weren't quite meaning this, but I think it'd be, I think it's good to clarify. Like 
I think that there is actually something fundamentally wrong with every single person, and that is sin. And I think that's a little different from what you were implying, Angela. You weren't saying that like everyone's like there is you are good. Everyone's, you know, doesn't have sin. But I think it's good to recognize that. And I think that's actually where you can come from. Another way you can come at it of like, okay, I am fundamentally wrong. And through God and these processes and these things, I can recognize and reconcile that. And I think that that can create life change, heart change, mind change um, that you guys are talking about. Um, and like I said, I know, I don't think that that's what you were <laughs> implying, no, but I think it's just also good to, good to say, cause I think it's a good foundation for, for building, building what you guys are talking about. Potentially. I think that we are created in the image and likeness of God, period, the end. And are we separated? Yes, by our actions, 100%. That doesn't, there's a, there's a nuance to what you're saying. And I don't know that I'm going to, I'm, I'm really concerned. I will, I will bomb on, I'm trying to explain the nuance, the way I see it, because I've seen a lot of trauma from people who have grown up in very, very conservative faith systems that beat them over the head for years and years and years and years and say, you know, sinner saved by grace. And I just, I struggle to to reconcile. We are created in the image of likeness of God. We absolutely need a savior, 100%. Not at all saying that. Anybody that listens to podcast knows that's my stand and read my book and I say that. And I don't think that I think it's I think that there that the church has used shame as a tool to control people for way too long. And I think that when you look at what religion does to what God intended, then we get into a giant mess. And I just probably <laughs> I I could go off for days and I do go off for days because I don't I there is a difference between saying that we are separated by our sin and saying that that there is something wrong with us because God created us and God doesn't create junk and God doesn't create trash and so are we separated? Yes, because of the you know what happened in the Garden of Eden. Absolutely. Do we need to reconcile? Do we need to find our way back to through a Savior? Absolutely. And that's just a nuance. And what's hard is that whenever you are doing organized religion and you are trying to communicate mass communication, it's hard to catch the nuance. And I think that it is it is something that free, I think Jesus came for our freedom. And I think that once you've, especially once you've accepted that, that the the act of transforming yourself, we will be renewed by the we will be transformed by the renewal of our mind and and those things making sure that we are aligned with what we are actually believe anyway no i, I that's definitely what i what i'm like trying to say is it's i think what i was saying like i think that that is the basis of 
of the building of not having shame and things like that. Because I think that recognizing that you maybe have made mistakes and things like that. And that is almost in human nature because mm-hmm. no one is free of sin. And I think I, I was meaning in a way that is more freeing. If you can accept that, you know what I mean? Like the yeah. things that you are scared to go down, like you were saying, scared to find at the core, if you can actually recognize that that is part of human existence to have made mistakes like that, or have gone through what I don't want to say had to gone through everything, but to have, to have faced hardships is part of human experience, even though, even though it sucks. And I think that that, when I was saying it was me, like recognizing that can be part of that freedom and not being feeling shameful about it and feeling shame towards it. Um, For years, I used to quote the verse. Why are we surprised by trouble? Because Jesus promised it in this world, we will have trouble. We will have pain. The next verse is, but do not be dismayed because I have overcome the world. But I've recently gotten really excited about the verse right before it, because he says, I tell you these things. So you will have peace in this world. You will have trouble. I've come and overcome the world. And so I'm like, oh, he was telling us this not to be so that we could all be worried about it, but so that we could have peace so that we weren't surprised by it. So anyway, Jamie, I would, I would love to get your take on this. I've been going through this book, the meaning of marriage and in it, Timothy Keller talks about, he says, uh, a lot of people have the idea of like the one, the soulmate, that person is the perfect fit for you and they're perfect, etc. And he's, he challenges that. He's like, no, they're not. They are the one you are supposed to be with, if that is where you're at and you can, and you can love them, but they're not the perfect one because nobody is that. And so so it's so easy to put that person on like, oh, they're going to fix my problems because I found the, I found my other half kind of idea. I found the puzzle piece that fits together with me. I think there is something to that. And I don't want to like belittle how awesome marriage is in that way, but at the same time, you can't put that that pressure on that person because they're going to disappoint because the only person that can do that is, is God and Jesus. And so I would want to hear what you have to say about like, like how society kind of, um, kind of views that and like how someone could overcome that. Cause I think even outside of like a relationship or like a, a marriage or a dating, it's so easy to look at someone else and be like, Oh, they're, they've got it all perfect. And that can kind of lead to that shame a little bit. And I don't, I don't think you really alluded quite to that, but maybe, maybe some, and what, what, what's your thoughts on like society and shame through viewing someone else? Well, a lot of it is the comparison, but you entering into any relationship, if you think that another person is going to complete you. What was that movie? I don't know. With, with Renee Zellweger. Jerry right? Maguire. <laughs> yeah. No. People in our lives are there to compliment us, to bring out what already is in us and is good, but they can't fix what is in us. We can't fix what is in someone else. And when we get in relationships there's, there's dysfunction in every relationship because like you were saying, there's sin in all of us, there's flaws in all of us. 
But if we enter into, you know, if we're going to talk marriage, thinking that, okay, once I marry this person, you know, I'm not going to be lonely anymore. I'm going, you know, we, we think all of our needs are going to get met, whether it's that, that underlying um, part of me that has felt abandoned, rejected, insecure. You know, I listened, you, you also have the attachment styles, the avoidant, the secure, the anxious. A lot of times we cling to partners or enter into marriages thinking someone else is going to resolve whatever, you know, is inside of us. <laughs> Or we're going to help them through that. And it doesn't work that way. We have to work on the things inside of us if we're going to show up in a healthy marriage um, and be there to complement each other. Did I answer enough of that? Or was there more? No, I I think that's good. I think that marriage, like a lot of our relationships, is a mirror for how we feel about ourselves. I mean, I mostly describe marriage as a sandpaper <laughs> that's designed to smooth off the rough edges, but in the, we've been talking about relationship with yourself mm-hmm. and what I've learned, especially over the last two years is that I can only love another person. I can only accept and not judge another person to the depth and level that I accept and love myself. And I can see vividly now how my abandonment issues, how I projected those on my husband for so many years and didn't even know, you know, I think that was the whole point of that episode was like, I didn't even realize that that was what I was doing. And as I've had clients that'll tell me like, oh, I'm working on not judging this other person. And I'm like, why? you don't have to, all you gotta do is work on not judging yourself because if you're judging somebody else, and I think we've said this here before, if you're judging somebody else for that, they're lazy or that they don't do what they say they're going to do. Well, in what ways do you not do what you're going to say, say you're going to do in what ways are you lazy? In what ways are you? Because typically, ironically, to go back to our, I don't care list, our pet peeves usually are rooted in something we don't love about ourselves. If there's something that kind of annoys us or irritates us, this was the most horrifying thing to figure out that it was like this person that just drove me crazy. And it was like, it's because I don't like it when I do that thing that they're doing. And so when it comes to marriage, it's like a 24 seven opportunity for all the things you don't love about yourself to have them reflected back in your partner. And if you believe you're not worthy, mm-hmm. that person could tell you all day long. Your husband did tell you hire kids, hire, hire, hire help, not hire kids. Sorry. Hire help, hire help, hire help. You wouldn't hear him because it didn't affirm the belief you had. So you literally, you ignored that evidence because it didn't line up with your belief that I'm not worth it. You have a, you know, some people would say, oh, my husband's not supportive. He was supportive. He was trying to tell you, hire help, baby, chase your passion, go after your purpose, of course, but it didn't, it didn't matter. It did not matter because you didn't think you were enough. You didn't think it was okay. So great. So I love, we go, I'll finally get back to relationship with yourself. 
Josh, even with, you know, entering this marriage, there are going to be things that just irritate you. Um, and, and I think a lot of times, so my husband and I have been married almost 23 years. We've dated six years. So we're going on 30 years. We were kids. We were 18 when we started to date. I think about the reoccurring things when I look back that have, you know, it gets under your skin or that we do to each other that irritate each other. Nine times out of 10, it is not something that he's truly doing wrong. It is a something that he's doing is triggered in me, but why? What from my past? Was it something that I was accused of when I was a kid or I was expected of? You brought up lazy, Angela. We'll just take that one. So if it bothers me, if my husband wants to sit down and watch football on a Saturday afternoon and I am scrubbing toilets, I'm going to the, you know, taking care of kids. I'm running to the grocery store. I'm doing this and this and that. And I am stewing inside how, you know, you lazy, how can you be doing this? Why do I feel the need that I have to be misproductive and do all this? Why can't I go sit down on the couch with him? He's not being lazy, but what is it in me that I have to prove? Did maybe I grow up in a household where it was relaxing was a sin. Like, how dare you sit down? You know, you need to be this workaholic and boom, 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 boom. So when we accuse or we're irritated with people around us, why is it irritating me? Because it's not really, truly not a fault, probably in that other person. It's a fault in me. And if you don't know yourself and know that fault in you, and you're not working to resolve it, then your outside relationships are going to suck. If your relationship with yourself sucks, your outside relationships will suck. It's just the way it is. And if you really be an observer and look at the relationships of other people, generally people that don't like themselves that much, their relationships reflect that. There's always drama. There's always dysfunction. There's always a problem. They're critical. They're fault-finding. They're complaining about everybody. And it is draining. Mm -hmm. And in the book, it also mentions, which I think is just going to emphasize what you guys are saying. He says that society also thinks that like the the perfect match is going to, you don't have to change for anybody. You don't have to change for them. And he says like, actually, no, like the great match is going to point out your faults and maybe not necessarily in like, I mean, in a loving like way, whether it's through like a mirror, you're seeing it yourself or they can help you find and attack those things. And that can be one thing that's great about it. But, it, and so you start off right away. You were like, it's like a mirror. And I'm like, that's exactly what he says too. And so, um, well, because, well, it's interesting that we're now in marriage because the person I was talking about that was scared to get to know himself was my husband. And I, I, th- I can remember feeling like a good partner when I said, it's safe for you to go learn and know yourself. I know you, even though you think you've hidden yourself from me in some ways, I've observed you because that's just my nature. And I like who you are. Like, I, I know who you are at your core and I like it. And even different things, like you're saying, how we can help one another is that he did struggle. His mom told him for years he was lazy, bless her. And she was doing the best she could. And 
And so at different times he struggled saying he's lazy. And I'm like, or you're a human who wants to sit and veg out. And we've both in the, in the idea of giving ourselves permission, sometimes when we can't do it for ourselves, it is sweet to have somebody, a strong partner that does encourage us to give ourselves permission. And he has always been so supportive of my speaking career, my book career, anything I like, he believes of course that I can do it. And it, and so I think you're right, Josh, really great matches. You want to help the person become the best version of themselves, not so that your life is easier. I mean, that's nice if, if it, <laughs> if he actually takes the trash out, right. Without being asked, which Josh, you've talked about that you do that. But also just because it is, it feels really good when you can feel like I've contributed to this person's well-being. And that's like part of why, this is part of why we're in this relationship is to continue to make each other better. As you two were speaking, I did think a lot too about being authentic. Mm. And I feel, and maybe this isn't, Josh, you can say, maybe this isn't more of the case for guys, but I think for females entering in relationship, like I said, I started, my husband and I started dating, um, we were 18 and 19 and how many times we self-abandon because we want to be liked. We want to be loved. We want to be all of this stuff. So we, it can be the simplest thing. Hey, we're getting to know each other. It's the second date. I love tacos. Do you want to go to this taco joint? Really, you hate tacos. But as that girl says that just as in this new relationship, sure, I love tacos. Boom. She loves tacos. How many things you do in new relationships or around, you know, even as an adult to, to when you, when you don't show up as who you are in truth and everybody has this idea of who you are and then you get married and it's, I hate tacos. <laughs> Why do you keep making me go out for tacos and you're fighting about, you've always loved tacos. No, I don't. You see, you don't even know who I am. It's like how often I mean, yeah, why? permission to be authentic. Right. And why is it not okay to say, I don't love tacos, but I'm happy to go. If you love tacos, like mm-hmm. you can still go with somebody who, Oh, I mean, they're not my favorite, but I'm still happy to enjoy something that you enjoy. You don't have to love everything that person loves. One of our favorite days in in Paris that my husband and I had, I was going to this museum and I'm like, there's no way you have any interest in the World War II (laughs) Museum, right? Like, I will just feel bad to drag you around this museum. I'm like, why don't you go do something that you want to do? He had a glorious time because he then went to the soccer stadium. I was a little bit jealous. I would have, I would have liked to have gone to the soccer stadium, but we did separate and it's okay to have different activities that you love. And sometimes to say, not my preference and I can still go. I don't love Thai food. I have found they all Thai restaurants serve chicken fried rice. I can eat chicken fried rice. My husband wants Thai food. No problem. You don't have to be contrarian about being authentic. You can say, I don't love tacos. I'm still happy to go with you. Right. And even with your husband, I thought, you know, if if he was always being told, you know, you're lazy or whatever. And as a child, sure, you, you, I, you're, then you're going to identify as that. Right. But as an adult, 
And if you've went and you've done some inner work and you've developed that relationship for yourself, you can look at that and know, okay, me, you know, I, I'm truly not lazy, but that person struggles relaxing. There's something in them that they feel shame or guilt or whatever it is they feel if they are ever idle. That's why they're projecting that on me. It really isn't about me. It's about you. But I don't think you can get to that point until you really do like the inner work. Because again, you do that inner work. I know I'm not lazy. That's your issue. Like if your husband was dealing with that laziness, once he resolved the issue in, in, you know, in himself, that problem of his mom saying that, that outer problem went away. Well, and I literally one time had to say, give me the evidence. All right, you're on trial. Let's see. I'm the, I'm the defense attorney. You're the prosecuting attorney. Give me the evidence to prove that you're lazy. And, and we had like that particular time he had done all these things and he actually is good at relaxing and and we still, you say the problem, the external problem goes away to a degree. Yes. And we are very intentional now on our weekends. We say, okay. And, and I have a pretty critical voice that loves to sit in my head and tell me, I will say, oh, I'm just going to relax on Sunday. And then on Monday morning, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you didn't get all that stuff done. And it's like, okay, you can't actually relax. And so we've started doing something on Fridays where we'll say on Monday morning, what can we, what will we have accomplished over the weekend that we'll feel really good about? And we will use constraint and be realistic about what we can do. And we do those things. And then on come Sunday night, if I start to spin, he goes, no, no, no. We said we were going to do X and Y and that Z was a bonus. We didn't get to Z. So let's celebrate that we got X and Y done. And we had to, we still continue to, because it's been so many, the grooves were so deep in both of our brains about just performing to prove that we're enough. The perfectionism was still pretty heavy. And Josh is sitting there like, y'all are really good at sitting around and doing nothing. What are you talking about? (laughs) But it's the mental chatter after we sit around that is where we just, it's not even worth it because you didn't actually rest because now you're going to spend a couple of days beating yourself up. Yeah. You gave yourself permission and then you have to give yourself permission to not beat yourself up for what you gave yourself permission for, right? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Going back slightly, I'm going to go on the record and I own, I, I take the trash out much less often now. And I can't remember who we had on and said, you're going to stop doing that after so, so long. The only reason, is Ryan, I, Ryan, Ryan, if you're listening, the only reason I don't do it as much now is because she, uh, to save some money and because it's close to the, where she's working is staying with her parents. And so it's a little different taking the trash out at the parents' house. It also isn't nearly as full as often because I'm there less and everything. But so Ryan, you 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 haven't won yet. You haven't won yet. <laughs> Ryan's our only repeat guest. She's been on twice. She's a therapist that we talked about attachment with. But yes. anyway, she, she said that I'll, I'll I won't be taking the trash out after like we'll three have or to four check. Months. We'll have to check in after you guys get married. To wrap up, Jamie, what do you want to leave our listeners with? Do you have any last comments? One last nice home run hit for everyone to listen to. I think if we're going to wrap it up with the whole permission, it's, and you said, you know, no one really necessarily writes themselves permission slips, but why not? Why not get a sticky note out 
and write yourself some permission slips. Like I am going to take this risk. I am going to say what needs to be said. I do have opinions. I do matter. And I'm going to throw myself out there. I think of Angela just with your books. And I even think about it with my books. I, whether I am writing fiction and someone is entertained by it or they resonate it, it moves people. And what ripple effect you have if if one person listens to this podcast and tells someone else and things resonate. I feel we have to trust ourselves more and respect ourselves more. And when we develop that relationship, we just live a more fulfilled, joyful life. And isn't that the point? <laughs> I think that's really good. I don't really have any follow-up because I think that's a good spot to end it. I do. I would love it if people want to send me a picture of their permission slip. You can follow, find me on Instagram at Angela Belford, and I'll be happy to share it with Jamie as well. Probably send it to both of us. Jamie, where can we find you online? Um, JamieBarris.com is my website. I am on Instagram at Jamie Barris. I am on Facebook. I don't do a whole lot on there. I do have a, um, on my website, there's links to my membership, which are those weekly live coaching calls. I do one-on-one coaching and my two fiction books, us three in whispering waves. It's not a life coaching type thing, but it is real life, family, saga, drama, drama, friendship (laughs) sold on Amazon. And Instagram, it make make me laugh because I had a client the other day during our session had sticky notes all over the place. She was at work and I just talked to her again yesterday. I said, Hey, do you mind if I maybe post that picture of all of your sticky notes? It is, it's the best because we really actually should write ourselves permission slips. So yeah, (laughs) I'm a quote junkie. You'll see all that stuff on Instagram. Excellent. Jamie, thanks so much for joining us. I think uh, you've listened to more episodes than any other any other guest, especially going into it. And so it was cool having you reference all of our different episodes. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, we did talk about that, didn't we? <laughs> so, you make a difference in people's lives. You do. Thanks. <laughs> thanks. Well, this is episode 39. So we're really awesome. proud of ourselves to yeah. be continuing coming up on a year here in a couple yeah. of Months. Angela really, really, really wants to get to a hundred. She, she basically got challenged. Some, some guy says it's really hard to get to a hundred episodes or like no one ever lasts after a hundred episodes. And so she took that as like a personal challenge that then she is now dragging me along. And no, I'm just Okay. Kidding. Fun fact about that. I actually got an email. It's from author John Acuff. His new book just launched. If you haven't wa- read his book soundtracks, he just has a new one that he wrote with his two daughters. Uh, called your playlist crap I should it just came in the mail yesterday I apologize anyway he I got an email from his team and he is including my story in his book that will be out in 2023 and I said yes you can include my story they asked permission yes you should include my story I want him to come on my episode my podcast and I said he's real busy with the book launch so we'll see but that's his deal is he won't go on a podcast that has less than 100 episodes we'll see 
Anyway. Come out. <laughs> Absolutely. We do want to keep helping people and exposing people to ideas that maybe they haven't thought about before. So thanks, Jamie, for being here today. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for joining yeah. us, Angela. Thanks for joining me like you do on every episode since you are my guest. And everyone, thanks for listening to the Be Freaking Awesome podcast.